because I need a geography check. Is Arizona an island? It's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting way easier from outside the cage. If I guess you're going to need a treasure map to get to this island. I'm your host, Kevin, with me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, Arizona, correct me if I'm wrong, not an island. Mm-mm. But maybe they're taking it from the old song interpretation of no man is an island. So maybe it's kind of that no state is an island, but is it? And you've just seen why Raf should have been hired years ago by the UFC to be their spokesperson. God damn, I would hate my life. But sadly had the audacity to interview a poster while he was waiting for a press conference to happen. <laughs> Man, it's one of the best never told verbal tap lore There's a stories 30 of for, all time. There is a 30 for 30 being built about it for people. So you and I should just do that one of these days yeah. when we have spare time. Be like... <laughs> Walk people through exactly what happened. Um, man, you know, I think back to those times, Kev. I actually was looking... Uh, I was telling Kevin before we were uh, signing on, I'm like cleaning house. You know, today's a day off, so I'm trying to do some housework and some chores. And I was finding all of these tickets. Like, we're talking pre-verbal tap, Raph is just a fan kind of deal, where I had a ticket where I went to go see Brock Lesnar lose to Cain Velasquez. I had my ticket still from when I saw Randy Couture win the title back in Ohio. Which, by the way, they didn't need to see a ticket when you went to Ohio. They just, like, brought you in on good faith. They're like, do you have a ticket for this? And I go, yeah. And they go, okay, well, come on in. Okay, cool. Fun. All right. Good to know. Um, Ohio is a real peaks and valleys place. (laughs) Just when you think you want to count them out, it's like the honor system. They were like, you fine young man. Look like a UFC fan. Absolutely. You, sir, are the demo. Come on in. Well, Kev, we should also maybe bring up the fact that you're wrestling with a real decision on a website. And I feel that maybe we should ask the people if you should do something with it. Would they be interested in it? Okay, so before I tell you Arizona is where the UFC is eyeing the May 30th card, which was the teaser on the intro about, is it an island? Because he said fight mm-hmm. island, and now I'm kind of, it's like when someone says fried chicken. It's like, well, I wasn't thinking about it, but now oh it's all I can think about. It's like someone shrimp tacos. It's like, Ah, damn it. I I just figured it out. How did he spell Fight Island? Is he spelling it with a Y? Because if that's how they spelled the Fire Festival, shit, maybe that's on us for not getting that clue. At least they rented an island the first time. Those guys get (laughs) points. Show us property before. So Arizona and... This is a question to the fans. I found mm-hmm. out, um, I'd say minutes before this, I thought I had lost the rights to this domain years ago. I still own sorryaboutlastnight.com. And I'll tell you why. Because mm-hmm. I think it would be a fun website. It's a little text from last night meets Reddit where you can post public apologies anonymously to other parties. Uh, like relationship, neighbor, friend, family member, those types of categories. And it just goes up and people can go find apologies, leave apologies, get apologies. We'll closure. Sorry about last night. Dot com. <laughs> you do realize by the end of this, we got to put like a, a form, like a Google form for somebody to fill out because 
Kev, I think it's a great idea. Now, granted, neither you nor I really have the time to really be doing something like this. Um, but we're also pretty vain. So if somebody were to appeal to our greater sense of entertainment, um, I'm pretty sure you or I would go, ah, I guess I can take 30 minutes. Because yeah. think about the material you'd get. It, it would be substantive. And to me, you know, that's how podcasts spin off. That's how uh, shows become shows. Mm-hmm. Tonight, Raph and I review your relationship apologies. Tune in next week. It's going to get familial. <laughs> There's tons that can be done. You know, more to come. But chime in with a five-star review on iTunes, any of our social media platforms where you can be a voice. You can tell I'm at home. I watch it in prices, right? I've got that voice really stuck in my head. I've got Robin right there. <laughs> Well, Kev, you bring up a good point, which is, yes, Dana's a little pissy right now. My dad texted me and said, hey, son, uh, Dana's going to appear on uh, Hannity. And I was like, nope and nope. Mm -mm. Nope. Not watching either of those things. I'll get a transcript if I need to. I was going to say the clips will be out there for what we need to see. If anything, it's kind of like when someone does stand up and they hit all the clubs. So... Yeah, I've already seen Dana's five minutes. I I have a good feeling of what it's going to sound like and even more amplified uh, by going on one Sean Hannity talking about how these dummies are trying to make him look bad. And Dana was already crying over the weekend that NASCAR is making a big to do about being the first major sport to come back. I actually heard that. I I, and both of them can go F themselves, Raph, because I know for a fact the first sport I saw people social distancing distancing on was the cornhole toss professional. I don't know what they call it. League. It was a two V two matchup. They were doing a whole tournament. Cornhole beat everyone to the prize. Well, the good people from South Korean baseball also want to knock at this, Kev. Their apology is in the mail, I'm sure, from Dana. So this was Dana's whole bitching point over the weekend, and I don't know about you guys, but it's really hard to feel sympathy for somebody when they want to be credited in this way. You would assume that just doing it would be the thing, but you know, for Dana rushing to get out there and figuring out the rules as they go has been interesting. Kevin is right, though. Are we going to see Fight Island? Because... If they didn't go to Florida, you would assume, all right, is Fight Island ready? No, still more infrastructure. Are we even going to see it in this era or time? Like, will we have beaten coronavirus already and then Fight Island is all set to go? Who knows, Kevin? But, yes, the backup is Arizona. And, okay, sure. You know, let them have it, Kev. There was a how there was a house hunter show. It was called like Island Hunters. I think it was actually the exact name. And I was always surprised about how affordable an island is for a weekend. And I don't have Dana White money, so he can definitely afford an island for a weekend. The legality there is got to be staggering. <laughs> this is where ESPN really is bad timing, because without ESPN, if this was still just the UFC, whoo-hoo, what the wild west it would be. That would be fantastic. But yeah, Arizona. So bring your own meth. You can camp out like Burning Man. Uh, 
here's the bad news though, Ooh, Kev. Fighting man. Fighting man is hey. good. Ooh. Little gladiator, much more attainable. No one gives a shit about the desert. Makes just as much money as you would at Burning Man. Mm? Mm. Kev, there's something interesting that maybe you're bringing up, and I don't know if it's by proxy I'm associating this, but follow me here. First of all, a little rude that they didn't do the Last Dance episodes for a certain other team that Michael Jordan paid a little time with. I don't know. Would be nice to see what episodes 11 and 12 would look like with a different jersey. But that's fine. If you want to go and close it up, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, you are already hitting on, and I, I would use 10 more episodes. I don't know how much <laughs> more footage there is, but keep airing it. Just show us whatever you cut now. Because now, Kev, without The Last Dance, which got huge ratings, 6 million, not shabby at all. What has ESPN got? So when you talk about the ESPN schedule maybe being a little light and then these UFC cards starting to appear more and more as normal to people, which still doesn't feel that way. Then today we hear that Newsom says that we could be looking at people coming to play sports here in California in as soon as three weeks, which, okay. You know, there's a lot to be said here, Kev. It's entirely possible we may see a lot of uh, UFC events coming up more and more. I just know that Kelly looked at me after the third UFC in eight days and goes, God damn it, another one? And I said, it's all we got. Just don't take this away from us. We're, we're, we're trying to get by. And it's weird. It's complicated. We like it, but we don't. But also, I mean... Last Dance isn't coming out till tomorrow, so I'm going to go watch this and cheers with some folks, I guess. Um, but I'll tell you this, Kev. Let's talk a little bit about Dana's response, because the whole petty thing aside, sure, you want the credit, you do all the hard work. Yes, a lot of people love you, and they're basically nut-sucking because they miss sports. So that's why a lot of people are doing the, you know, you got to give it to Dana White. Well, you know who doesn't have to give it to Dana White? The New York Times. Kev, are you aware what the New York Times is saying about Dana White? No. It can't be good. I don't know. Well, they're just kind of critiquing the UFC. And in response to a question about the New York Times, kind of detailing all of the practices of the UFC during the pandemic, which essentially, and many different places are saying this as well, Kev, which is... Hey, you're not even following all of your protocols properly. Here are the numbers of times that you didn't follow your own protocols. Do you know what Dana White's response to that at the presser on, I believe it was Saturday was? Thank you for the criticism. That's a good note. I'm going to take it back with my team and, and earnestly consider how we can grow. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fake news. I just scream at it. Yeah, and Dana has – this is where Vince McMahon understands press way better than Dana does because Vince would sort of dance with them before they'd spar with them, and Dana only knows one response. Vince has learned over the years, just chill behind the scenes and do whatever the fuck you want to do anyway. Ever since and, the Costies. <laughs> <laughs> and – Bless him, because the WWE is not doing all that much different than the UFC in terms of 
are they supposed to be doing this? Eh, whatever, it's on. That's what they're hoping a lot of us are doing. But yes, there are some people who, I guess, are raising the questions. And it does beg the question of, why can't you take any fucking criticism? Like, why can you not? It's more than just, you know, you dummies don't see that I'm trying to provide for you guys. Okay, cool. And he goes, you know, the system has been, it worked. That's the thing. It worked, meaning it found the one person. Actually, it was three, but it found the one person that could have been affected by it. So that's what he's trying to take credit for is that did work. Meanwhile, though, in our sport elsewhere, Kev, I'm sure you're probably going to bring this up because you say you have some headlines and we'll do some fight coverage as well. But we may remember a certain amount of time ago that one Khabib was saying it's coronavirus time. Which I hate as branding. Like, he doesn't have to say, just call it what it is. It's not Corona time. I don't, no one's asking for that hashtag. Okay? You can take five seconds for it. However, Khabib's dad came down with COVID. And as a result, Khabib put in an Instagram post today that apparently he had some family deaths in relation to coronavirus as well. So there's a lot that we don't necessarily know in terms of the particulars. But it's one of the first really big examples of, oh, yeah, that was the top of your card. Even if he didn't have it, that's fucked up, dude. That's that's a terrible thing to hear and see. So as much as we want to wish it away, it still is a part of existence in some realm. That is on the ESPN head- headlines that Khabib's father is, is sadly in critical condition and – The difficulty right now is, as you see it, be personal. And Mm -hmm. obviously the movement against and the movement for reopening, everyone understands a capitalistic argument for reopening. It's a fundamentally flawed argument that our economy struggles this much during it, but that's a different thing. The same choir of people that are frequently hitting the share button as fast as possible every time an article comes out about this their main argument is like, you all are sheep for listening. We shouldn't be worried about it. And then the same five crazies in your feed share the exact same article. It's like you guys are reading the same four articles, not the wealth of news and doing aggregate analysis. But when it hits home, it's good to see. And this is where you'd have to like now give Khabib the, the familial credit of what's he supposed to do plan a trip for the next series of fights, right? The next ones are planned for May 30th and sports moving forward is going to need to be much more prepared for this type of fluidity cancellation and a lot of variance on who ends up fighting and who shows up for whatever sport it is. And it sounds like baseball is going to be the first one to show us what team sports can do. I'll give MMA. MMA is so lucky that their fighters are conditioned to be in a room alone fighting already. But the moment one of these cards has someone who tests positive right after they fight, not before they fight, that's when you're going to see what the UFC's response plan is. Now, the other thing to consider here is, yeah, you mentioned baseball. You know, they want to go back and we get it. Everybody wants to go back. There are very few people, uh, despite what you may think. Because there is some sort of weird consensus that some athletes will push. 
that, yes, people just like being at their house and being lazy. Um, I don't know what kind of pipe dream y'all are living in because I would love to go back to training ASAP. However, it's complicated and we feel for the businesses. So we're there. We understand it. It's just not super well articulated when you're sharing a Bill Gates is the devil article. <laughs> it's just I, I don't know where – this is going to help your point. YouTube um, censored this guy. YouTube shouldn't censor people. It's uh, like, why shouldn't Lord. people be censored? Don't mistake freedom of speech for non-censorship. If I run out into traffic and I'm like, Raph tried to murder me with a fire. There's a fire over there. Be like, what the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? That's it. Don't censor me. It's my goddamn truth. It's like, shut up. Yeah, I don't know. It's the journalist in me is always cringing at, People saying, well, they took it down. I go, was well, it true? And they're like, yeah, absolutely, it's true. Can Did you prove he play it? some Nickelback? Because that'll also get you <laughs> taken down. Trust us. Like, 20 seconds of anything with any copyright, YouTube's like, F that. So anyway, um, something to consider here that is interesting is that as Kevin and I are trying to navigate, you know, what we do and we're just seeing all these headlines, it's exhausting. I think they're just trying to beat you down with by sharing it as many times as possible so that you just kind of accept weird theory as fact. And we're not even talking about a difference of perspective. It's just literally, oh, yeah, I shared this article. I will tell you one fun factoid, Kevin, and I didn't really know this was the case, but they did an interesting study, New York Times as well, and uh, it basically says how smaller aggregate groups are attacking peer-reviewed journals and how you know, sometimes conspiracy theories just go out there without any peer reviews. Well, when they basically mapped out how some of the people who are discussing peer reviewed journals, I found out that a guy who I was co-president of the National Honor Society is one of the leading voices in the fight against COVID. So that made me feel pretty worthless where I look down and I go, fuck, he's like saving lives. Shit, we can't even convince people this is an actual problem. That's well, uh, mm. that's where we're at. The zombies and the people advocating that the zombies don't exist, but they should be allowed to be zombies if they want to. It's an interesting. I mean, <laughs> the funniest part about this, though, Kev, on my side was, I always think like when I read something like that, oh, cool. Maybe I should reach out to him and see if he'll do an interview to help me understand it better, maybe help other people understand it better. Because I'm not a fucking science guy. I, I understand and I read as much as I can, but I ask a lot of questions. And then I immediately was like, oh, my God, I can think of no greater waste of that poor man's time than to be like, you guys do what? And there's a contact sport and everybody just says, fuck you. We want to go back. Oh, my time's done here, Raph. Bye. I am big on the question authority train. Um, I don't like questioning my doctor as much. I'll give him some pushback. But, Raph, you ready to get to some fights, some things that um, I'm sure yep. people deny existed? Well, I want to start in order with uh, the Drew Dober headlined card. But, obviously, he was um, he was right up there. Glover Teixeira is the headliner of this one with a brutal TKO that got some criticism that maybe the fight should have been stopped faster over Anthony Smith. This looked like vintage Glover Teixeira putting in some iron fist work 
at the back end. Raph, is Glover back? Um, mm, yeah, I mean, he looked great. In terms of that first round, he was taking some shots. Um, I guess the real question I have to ask is, is Anthony Smith back yet from reality? Because over the weekend, and there was varying degrees of this, and I don't know if you saw this as well, Kev, but there were two people who took L's that decided to use it for their social media benefit. The first was Dominic Cruz, who said that he wanted to gift a basket to one of the refs who let the fight go on for as long as they did with Anthony Smith, which funny. Okay, I get that. Um, we're still playing into the like, hey, you're kind of a crybaby about it, but no big deal. It's number two, Ken. <laughs> I was just going to say, don't be spiteful or anything. <laughs> I'm sending a gift basket for everybody who get punched in the face longer than maybe you should have. Which, by the way, of all things to send people, Dom, you don't do any favors by looking like a giant dork, by being like, I would like to send a gift basket, uh, edible arrangement maybe for them. Like, bro, just, you know, we, we get you. It's cool. I shall right. go to strawberries.com. <laughs> so on the other hand, Anthony Smith over the weekend kept saying, and there were some fights that they could have been stopped earlier. We get that. But Anthony Smith was trying to make the point. Look at these guys. Man, if only the rest would jump in here and do something. To the point where people were saying, like, hey, bro, it was good that eventually they did stop it. But, you know, you were you were taking damage, man. And we, we're just looking out for your best health. And his thing is, I want to go out on my shield. Which, by the way, I don't know when we can retire that as a phrase. Wait, does that mean dead? Because those aren't the rules. We don't We don't fight to the death here. Well, not yet. He knows but, that, right? You know. I mean, he's going to have to get Fight Island up faster than slower. <laughs> or at least the Mortal Kombat Island. <laughs> they should have to be, for every, and I feel this way about every colloquialism anyone ever mm -hmm. says. When someone says at the end of the day, I'm like, you should have to explain what you mean. Why Damn. today is more important than, like, midday. Like, why is the beginning of the day so unimpactful? But... <laughs> The end of the day has become the new phrase idiots use to give themselves space, but they yeah. listen to smart people. It's like when people started using literally, it's because comedians were using it because it becomes a trope that you can get jokes out of. So people that aren't funny can be funny. It's great. Absolutely. It's like cards now, against humanity. But <laughs> <laughs> Now, Kev, here's the, the little underlying part of this, though, is that Anthony Smith then said in response to a referee, the referee of his match, by the way, Saying, hey, man, the response is all mine. I, I feel bad. Um, but that shouldn't be on his coaches. It should be on me. I'm supposed to look out for his health. Anthony Smith responds today, y'all soft. Like, what the fuck? Like, calm the shit. Your whole re response, ref, sucks, dude. Because we're just, we're getting too, we're so soft is what it is. Let me tell you the issue I have with that as a colloquialism. Because... The people, and do yourself a favor and do the study in your head. The people who say we're soft more often than not are referencing a generation and a time they themselves did not exist in. So it is one of my favorite things to do when I see certain athletes say, y'all soft back in the day. And I was like, you don't even have a back in the day. There is no missing footage for you that we can find 
you weren't there. You were told this by somebody. Yes, please describe the 1970s to us because you were there. Good job, everybody. Let's go back and look at how much they made for UFC 1, those soft fighters. <laughs> Let's just uh, talk about their, and even their then, accommodations. Y'all soft is more of an insult when you're on a fucking porno. Like, that's a different thing. Y'all soft here? Yeah, right now, none of us are fucking working out. Everybody's fucking soft right now. You know how many insults I'm getting from people saying, hey, I can't wait to kick your ass once this whole pandemic's over and, like, when we're training again? And I'm like, you probably can right now. Damn it. It shan't be hard. You should have to corner me and ask me about donuts. <laughs> uh, ben Rothwell wins a split decision. By the way, more split decisions in the last three fights than I think all of 2019. Uh, wins a split decision over OSP. I know I watched this fight. I know at one point we thought there might be, um, you know, OSP's Von Flute specialty. Mm -hmm. I do not remember this fight much. That could be, that <laughs> oh, could no, be the bourbon, but Ben Rothwell with the win. Knocking a market. It it happened. It was a thing. We saw it. Well, the most plus I was too excited about what happened when Drew Dober unleashed the holy hell on Alexander Hernandez TKO KO with punches. You can see it if you follow him in slow motion. He's probably somewhere on an island now, an actual island. Drew Dober gets the win. Woo! Super happy for him, man. That was great. It, it looked exactly as amazing as all of us hoped it would be. Uh, because, you know, whenever Drew's fighting, we wish him the best. And we hope something's going to look that dope. And it definitely went his way that night. And he's getting some good press off of it. And it looks like they'll try and give him uh, another high-profile match. Because everybody seemed to be really happy with it. And, Kev, he also got a performance of the night, which explains how the man can afford a very nice vacation to go off and enjoy some beers at. He should have gotten a performance of the night. Whatever he's doing with that diet alone, performing. <laughs> well, it says Glover Textura, Drew Dober, both got performances of the night. Uh, you know, not on there. The ref from the Glover and Anthony fight, but that's okay. Um <laughs> The unfortunate part of this, though, Kev, is that we also have to hear John Jones run his mouth about Anthony Smith, which at which point I'm thinking this man has said enough about Anthony Smith. However, good connecting thread. Not interested in fighting Anthony Smith. Cool. Get it. Makes sense. But John Jones now is entertaining a super fight with Francis Ngannou. Now you have my interest. Yeah, same here. I want to see that. I would, uh, oh shit, yeah. Wow. That would be good. <laughs> yep. all in, dude. Yeah, me too. Because, and I'll just go through these. Ricky Simon beats Ray Borg. Andre Arlovsky beats Phillips Lins, Felipe Lins, but that's not a, you don't want Arlovsky. Michael Johnson gets submitted by Thiago Moises with a good old fashioned ankle lock. You don't see frequently. Um, I, damn, I'd watch Francis Ngannou beat the ever-living shit out of one John Jones. Probably be good for him. Yeah. And the nice part about it is, let's say that John Jones ends up doing it. 
and they make it a reality. Now you get into the real conversation of, dude, this dude's now going outside of his weight class. And that's always been a contention for goat status. And, you know, Kev, maybe you can tell me if you saw this part in Last Dance. Do you remember all the times in the documentary when Michael Jordan was making the argument and he was the goat? Like, do you remember any of those points in the documentary? I think I recall a few. Mm, okay. Where he might have mentioned something about goat status. I mean, the fun part about that is Michael Jordan now, every time you see him entertained by what's going on, uh, I just imagine him in that fake house that they filmed him at, looking at the beach and just going like, that's great, I'm smoking a cigar, and who wants to go play golf? And one more thing about that. Fuck you, Michael Jordan, when you win a fucking championship to look over and go, hey, it's bright out. I can get some fucking uh, golf in. <laughs> he was just so excited. Hosts a piano concert. Can't play the piano. Can't <laughs> hey, play it at what, all. Though, I will tell you this. The way he played the piano, the fact that he had about 35, 40 people around that piano let you know that that man could have basically said, Fuck it, here's Wonderwall. And everybody would have been like, oh my god, you are the best, Michael Jordan. <laughs> this, that was great, Wonderwall. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Wonderwall. It's probably him just being like, hey, do you guys want me to play the Space Jam soundtrack now? Because I can do that. Um, anyway, yeah, good night of fights on the Wednesday. But then we go to the Saturday, Kev, right? Saturday. In my heart, can't believe Overeem won. <laughs> Alistair Overeem gets knocked the shit out of in round one. I thought the fight was over. I kind of thought did, yeah. thought it. I thought it should have been called. I mean, I guess I, I fully understand it's it's the Reem, so you got to let him absorb as much head trauma as possible on his way to victory. But Walt Harris got a little tired trying to kill Alistair Overeem. Gets. His, I mean, the takedown in round one was not defendable. Walt no. Harris was uh, not clearly focused in grappling class during this camp. Maybe he didn't have time. Maybe it wasn't there. But he thought it was going to be just uh, a fight. Overeem took the fight mostly to the ground to exhaust him and ended up winning it on the ground by punching the shit out of him while he had his back. Yeah, it was uh, unfortunate to watch. Uh, you know, afterwards, famously, Reem was very, very nice to Walt Harris. And I think that was the biggest takeaway because I don't know that on paper any of us were really rooting for Reem uh, because the narrative, and I think Ben Folks put this very nicely, where he's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this promotional package using the daughter as fuel for the fighting thing. Cause it's just, I don't, mm, mm. and then how are we supposed to feel about Overeem? Mm, mm. By proxy, is he a villain? I don't understand. So it was a nice touch at the end when he was very, very complimentary of him. Um, you know, some people were going out of their way to say, Oh man, you could tell he didn't want to do it. And he was being nice and true. Although a little bit later when they go, Hey, uh, Alistair, did you feel any sympathy? You know, were, were you feeling bad when you were doing that? He's like, no, nah, it's business. I was like, oh, well, okay. But it's what you did after that's important. See? Good. Good. We can all agree on that part. 
But the whole fighting as like a be nice to that person thing is hard to do when the other person is trying to murder you for a little bit. So, yeah, a good fight for him. And Walt Harris, uh, you know, obviously a good tale for him where he gets to say he's going to come back and he'll do it. I imagine, Kev, if you are leading us somewhere on that one, you are probably highly correct in suspecting his grappling team will probably work a little bit for that. But, man, for that first round, it was pretty exciting to watch a series of reversal of fortunes uh, in that one. Okay. I need to know which other fights are worth checking out. I saw our man, the Immortal Lost, which is ridiculous, though it's a hard game. So I suppose. Talk about switches of momentum, Kev. You should watch that one, but it's five minutes and 18 seconds of, uh, ooh, ooh, oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh. Um, you guys are more than welcome to take that soundbite and make a SoundCloud mixtape off of it because it really did feel like that watching it. I'm quite sure I can remember that exactly. I'll tell you this. Um, if you didn't like judges before this event, you didn't walk away with a better opinion of them because there were some weird judging criteria that was put throughout the evening. There were some folks who were mad at the Dan Ige and Edson Barboza fight. Angela Hill was saying that she got robbed by Claudia. She has a decent enough argument. Um, you know, and then Song Yadong uh, put up a really nice and good fight. Song! Against, well, he put up a good fight, and it was back and forth, and I, I definitely understand and appreciate it. However, Marlon Vera, a.k.a. Cheetah, uh, might have... When he said he lost to a guy, he might have referred to him as a Chinaman. And I mean, it is not the I preferred guess, nomenclature, dude. Well, geographically, okay, sure. But you know what's great about when people do something like that is seeing the amount of people who will come to your wall of defense as to being like, I mean, look, dude, yeah, he's from China, dude, okay? He's just he's just pointing out he's a China man. And I was like, it just still sounds so dumb. Uh, no matter how well you fucking defend it, it's just ooh, ooh, weird. So that one never makes you feel good. Um, Jotko picks up against Eric Anders. Uh, deserved. He was, you know, Eric Anders was doing a great job of pushing Jotko up against the cage. But, you know, not the most exciting of things. Jotko was really good on. Uh, finding his strikes and using his uh, reach to go ahead and make the fights a little bit more complicated for one Eric Anders. But I, I could appreciate Eric Anders trying to have a strategy. Um, Miguel Beza, I mean, again, Kev, just watch that fight when you get a chance. It's a fucking lot. Kevin Holland, very, very nicely done in there. And then we should bring these two up. Uh, Rodrigo Nascimento, really cool start. Rear naked choke to begin the night. But then, Kev, riddle me this. When's the last time you remember an armbar finish? It's been a while. I think Rousey while, right? left the UFC five years ago. Okay. Okay. I mean, we, we see them, but they're they're infrequent. And because there's so much more emphasis on grappling more and more, and people are, are savvy, and a lot of these guys will grit through it and do it. What if I were to tell you, Kev, this was an armbar from guard? Ooh. 
hot. Mm-hmm. Even longer. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that thing because I, I watched the prelim solo and I was taking questions throughout. And I think there might be a clip of me going, yeah, she's really telegraphing that she wants to get this armbar from guard, which is not a highly. And she did it. Hmm, OK, <laughs> there you go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would watch it just for that. Um, the rest of the fights, you know, I can't tell you how to feel, but I'll bring this up. Maybe just maybe when there is a pandemic, you know, maybe we're not getting the best judges because the pandemic, uh, the pool is not. But that's nah, the same justice. Anyway, that was as best I could do. I will thank everybody who came on uh, to both of those fight companions because had a lot of fun, man. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in because throughout the very beginning part of the evening, uh, I was doing it on Saturday just solo. But it's kind of weird if you're doing it solo, but we had so many people throwing questions throughout the duration of it that I was having a blast. And I had one person, Kevin, you can tell me what you think of this. Um, one person asked me if I was wearing the fake glasses with a nose included in them. And I laughed so hard. <laughs> it was just like, I mean, that's a good joke. And <laughs> I dare someone to make a better joke, but it's not going to exist. And so uh, I think that was Ryan. I don't remember. You're not that memorable, but your joke was. So good work. And I love a joke that throws off the broadcast. That's why two cents in there. Rap, the UFC is back. They're I had May 30th for another series of events. You'd have to call these successful, though, not last dance successful. Not like... Mm. Um, not the ratings that the NBA will draw back or the football on any casual two minutes of football. Not quite there. But like 1.5 million is what I saw in the pay-per-view buys. And that's great. I mean, that's a great UFC buy for, for well, what's going on. I don't know what it looked like by the time Overeem's fighting. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, 1.5 mil on the tune-ins, not pay-per-view buys, uh, unless you're counting the paywall for ESPN, which I guess you could. Um, but I mean, still good, still good numbers. We're seeing a weird downswing now. I think the novelty of everybody being at home is kind of wearing off. So it's really, really opening a door of, all right, now you better be fucking creative if you're going to do something on TV. We don't want to just see zooms all the time. Uh, and I think that's what happened with the UFC. It kind of leveled out a little bit. Uh, but can I tell you the fights that are in contention for that 30th Kev? Let's do Let's hear it. There's four, which begs the question, where are the others? They um, use them all on fight card two. They really yeah. started. All of a sudden, it's uh, like three events and three nights. It, it really does get the roster moving. It is a welterweight bout between Tyron Woodley and Gilbert Burns. Heavyweight bout between Augusto Saki versus Blagoy Ivanov. Strawweight bout, Mackenzie Dern versus Hannah Cyphers. Hell yeah. And a lightweight bout, Kidson Abreu versus Jamal Hill. And those, my friend, are the four fights they have listed. Normally they have 11. So it's even more interesting if you think of the perspective that these fights were supposed to take place on the 23rd. So in theory, they have a fight card. But that's seven more fights that are just going to magically happen. 
in theory. I have full faith in Dana White, especially if you can find an island. Arizona's not going to cut it. Mm. It'll just have a little more fun. That is, I think, going to do it for us, right? That's our, we've hit the multiple topics. We've given some UFC no movies this week because there were fights, even mm-hmm. though the people are obviously going to be bummed about that. Oh, no, one last one. This is an important one. And I'm not talking about The Undertaker going on Errol Hawani's show and explaining his all, you want to do it to Brock Lesnar, which is great. That's his best journalism to date, by the way. Um, Kev, this is a real one. And I need you to explain this because you're responsible for this. You ready for it? I'm very ready. (sighs) Okay. Stephen A. Smith says that Justin Gagey and Tony Ferguson avoided grappling due to the coronavirus fears. (laughs) What? That's on you. This is <laughs> this is on guy. me. Oh God, that hurts. Well, I love it when Stephen A. Smith comes up with um, a nonsensical take to upset people. He does a really good job whenever it's the Dallas Cowboys, and this feels like he didn't get the chance to come on the broadcast and upset MMA people. So he thought, "Wow, what'll do it? What's a terrible take?" Oh, here's a take that makes no connective sense scientifically or in logic, but is really going to piss off everyone. I think that goes out the window when you exchange blood, sweat, and are face-to-face. That How far away does he think they throw fights punches from just out of curiosity that is from not a safe a, distance kevin this was not and a six foot by six foot situation at one point justin gaethje hit ferguson so hard you could see inside him that type of thing is not uh i don't know i actually feel like your chances are probably a little less of getting it if you get to the grapple match but this is the dumbest argument we've ever had they avoided grappling well does he know I assume he does not. The Justin Gage is a world class wrestler and the Fergs is a purple is a not a purple belt. He's a tenth planeter, isn't he? He's the tenth planet black belt, yeah. Oh shut up then. <laughs> avoid grappling. For the same reason I guess Connor McGregor and Nate Diaz really avoided it in round two as well because of the COVID. Shut up. It's just that dumb. That's amazing though. I love it. I cannot express how many times there was one person who commented in our post that said well he gets ratings so they're not going to do shit and yes that is correct that's also why sometimes we're flabbergasted by the audacity of the man to come in and do that so i don't know what we can do to push back anymore i i love sharing the meme of him terribly boxing that's fine. It's just your brain does this thing where it explodes on the inside and then you try to understand the humor value of it and you say, no, I know he's just trying to raise some sort of weird, dumb person point that's just – and then your brain just stops. Like it just goes, no, I'm not going to entertain this anymore. I'm just going to share it. And then let everybody feel what they need to feel about it. But yes, Kev, I do blame him because primarily when he talks NBA, I feel like people are a lot more entertained than when he 
force justifies trying to understand what the fuck anybody does in any combat sport. People ride roller coasters because skydiving just really makes them feel stupid with the gravity. It's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could, uh, I think I could do well on his show. Max Kellerman just does the yelling, but I would have a really good time laughing profusely through some. some do you understand my one thing with Max Kellerman? I feel like Max and I would be just fine. But do you understand that if I were ever brought on his show and I would be somebody who people would not know compared to him, I understand that. But do you understand what I would be trying to do to him the entire time I'm guesting on his show? I do not. Bro, I need you to rap. Like, your rap career is so hot fire. Rap for me right now. And I'm pretty sure that would go a certain way. But it's all I can think about whenever I see Max Kellerman. I don't see Max Kellerman, the boxing analyst, every time I see him on TV. I see him as Max Kellerman, the guy who has to be a boxing commentator because he didn't hit LL Cool J levels of rap career status. And I never stop laughing at it. I didn't know he was a uh, rapist. Oh, my God. I'm going to send you all the videos. Well, actually, it's just really one. But I will send you a video off air and you will understand how while I do like him and I'm entertained by him on occasion, when I see him, I can't stop thinking about that rap video. Yeah. Can't wait. Now we're done. <laughs> that's that's it. We're going to end on me sending this video to you. Verbal Tap fans, that'll do it. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. <laughs> has been changed. The new number is, please note, the new number is